Well, hi, friends, and welcome back to Consortio Day. Consortio Day is a podcast about partnering with God. It's about healthy rhythms for sacred work. For those who are leading others, guiding others spiritually, how do we maintain our own connection with God? Because if we do it on our own, we, it's stressful work, and we fail and we fall. And so what does it look like for us to make sure that even as we invite others to partner with God— to, to be connected with the divine, how do we stay connected with our own rhythms? My name is John Chandler, and I am training to be a spiritual director after 25 years in different forms of spiritual leadership myself, working as a pastor in churches, uh, working in faith-based nonprofits. And I'm looking forward in this next season of life to walking alongside others who are doing that work. And so this podcast is a companion for that. Uh, exploring with people who I respect and who I admire how they are partnering with God in the sacred work they do. One of those people is today's guest, Tara Beth Leach. Tara is a pastor at Christ Church in Oak Brook, which is near Chicago. And she was previously a guest on Sermon Smith, one of the handful of people I interviewed two times because I enjoyed talking with her so much and just her her unique perspectives, but also her thoughtful perspectives. She's written a number of books that you can find linked uh, in her bio here on the podcast, and as well as uh, maybe from her own website at terabethleach.com. She also writes regularly for uh, Missio Alliance, and so you can find some of her thoughtful articles there. But of course, uh, I hope you can get a lot out of listening to this interview. Uh, she's a very gifted person, but an also very humble uh, and intentional person, and I think you'll see how that comes through. So thank you, Tara Beth, and I hope all of you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Well, Tara Beth, I, um, it's it's good to see you again. I interviewed you twice on my prior podcast, you know, plus meeting a few times in person. So it's fun to reconnect. Actually, after many years, I feel like these years have gone fast, but it, if I do the math, it's probably been many years. I think the first podcast was like 2012, 2013, uh, Probably close to it. Yeah, probably close you to it because I think first, I started it. You were my first podcast <laughs> like, ever. I remember being so like blown away that someone actually wanted to interview me on a podcast. Uh, and just I remember being so nervous. Um, and it was it was a blast. It was so much fun. So, you know, who else told me that two episodes ago was Steve Carter. Oh, no Steve way. Carter. Yeah. Oh, Steve. <laughs> I got to do this podcast last year. That was a fun one. I'm so. a finder of jewels in the rough. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> or just I get good recommendations from people. It's probably better said. But, well, um, thanks for making space again to sit down and talk. And really to get us started, um, you know, as I told you, this is a podcast about healthy rhythms for sacred work. And so I think a good place to start would be tell us about the sacred work you do. You know, what is the context of your spiritual work, your, your ministry? Yeah. So I serve at a church in the Western suburbs of Chicago, Christ church, where I was formerly on staff uh, years ago. And after serving in Southern California as a senior pastor came back to care for my folks, which I imagine we'll get into more of that later um, but, uh, so I, I serve as pastor of missional life and discipleship ministries, uh, as well as a teaching pastor. So I get to preach regularly. Yeah. And that's been, how long have, how long have you been in that role? Yeah, I've been in that role. Well, so I've been in the role of uh, pastor of missional life since May. 
And now and embracing the discipleship uh, portion of that just just right now, like that's that's a transition that's happening. And essentially what that means is I oversee domestic and global missions. We have 75 partners. And in that mm-hmm. particular department, you know, we have a director of global missions, we have a director of domestic missions, and then two coordinators that work with all the partner relations and manage the budget. Uh, and then within the discipleship side, um, we we are, are in the process of launching and um, building missional communities. And so we launched the first phase of that this September, um, and we'll kind of go into the second phase this January. And so the reason why I'm over missions and discipleship is because we believe that if we want to be a church on mission, that discipleship um, and and missions really needs to be dovetailed. That yeah. um, they they need, but they can't be just two separate departments. Sure. But uh, to be a, a missional church, we ought to think about discipleship uh, missionally. And so it's it's actually been a really really fun fun season for me. Yeah. No, I love that because if you're if you're being formed without some kind of mission in mind, right? Some kind of tangible outcome in mind, you're not really fully being formed. But if you're trying to do mission without being formed, you're That's you're right. not equipped, you're not prepared, you're not connected, I would right. even say, you know, spiritually. Right. right. So, so, and I recognize this is an open question, but I trust you won't struggle with answering this open question. Um, So knowing that that is the context of the work that you do, um, what, what is, what does partnering God look like in your job? Like how, how, how does your job require you to partner with God? Yeah. So, you know, I I think about that in a couple of different ways. I think about that in my, just my own life, my own faith walk. And then I also think about that corporately. And so, you know, within my own like personal faith walk, like the the interior life, if you will, um, it's, it is the grace of God and those rhythms that sustain me, that empower me, that propel me. Um, And then in, in the same corporately, you know, as, as a team, um, there are certain rhythms, um, that, that we have, um, because, you know, this work that we do, like God is a missional God. God is, is in the work of actively redeeming, actively restoring, actively healing, um, uh, creation back to God's self. And, 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 you know, restoring this shalom. And so the work that we do when we talk about mission, when we talk about discipleship, um, I love the way that uh, Christopher J.H. Wright talks about it. He says the mission is yeah. God's. The mission is God's. The wonder and the marvel is that God invites us to join. So this is God's work. And so the partnering is an invitation from God. And it's a marvel. It's a wonder that we get to do this. And so, you know, both, you know, my interior life and also corporately, it is absolutely critical that we are constantly leaking our hearts and our minds to God's missional imagination. Otherwise, what are we doing? (laughs) It's just, you know, it's just an exercise in building systems. Um, And that's, that's, that would be in vain. And so this, this partnership with God is, is central to the work that we do. And, I, you know, I think what's my experience of you, both, you know, from a distance and from times we've interacted in person, is 
you know, I consider you to be a very gifted person in terms of your skills and your abilities. Um, particularly, I would even add um, your wardrobe because my uh, the women on the leadership team from my church were always commenting about your boots and your scarves and stuff like that. So, but even far beyond, and that, that's an area where I have no expertise whatsoever. So I'm just relaying. <laughs> and I know we joked with you about yes, that at the time, yes. but, um, but, but I do, I, you know, and so it's really easy in ministry roles to rely just so much on what giftedness we might have. And sometimes perhaps even, you know, what weakness we have, but I wonder for you, um, what is it, how do you measure or how do you gauge that you are doing this sacred work in partnership with God and not just relying on the giftedness that you have? Yeah, absolutely. I love that question because John, like I'll be the first to confess that there have been seasons where I rely on just talent and gifts that I have. And I, that's something that I have to constantly be aware of. And that God has really like shook me a couple of times with that, because I know that I have, I mean, my, I, I'm my father's daughter, for example, my, my dad was a, you know, fortune 500, um, uh, CEO, CEO, he spoke, he, he spoke widely, a motivational speaker and was an author. And, um, this was in his days before he was a Christian even. And so, I know like that I picked up some of that wiring from my dad. I could easily, I could easily like just lean into that. Um, and so, but I, but I've had to learn the hard way of, you know, feelings of being burnt out um, and exhaustion as a result. And so, you know, so as God has grown me in the years um, and, and wisdom and understanding, um, God has, it's, I am in such just a rich season right now of abiding in the presence of God and God has restored a sense of delight for me. So, so let me do, let me just, can I t- if I can tell a story, um, tell a story. Yeah. That'll Please. bring me, that'll bring us to, um, where I am now when I talk about this, this wonderful delight that I'm experiencing yeah. just in the Lord's presence that sustains me. So, um, John, you and I were talking uh, before this call just about where, I, where I've been um, in my life and just to catch others up. You know, I was a senior pastor in Pasadena for five years, never thought that I would leave. Um, once the pandemic unleashed, my dad was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer and then my mom with um, Alzheimer's, which later became frontal temporal dementia. And my parents just through a series of really bad business deals lost everything. Uh, this was all in a matter of just months. And my parents were 63 and 64. And so during the pandemic, I was flying back and forth every other week to care for my folks. And really, it just I, I hit a wall where I just knew that, you know, we needed to move back to care for them. And um, I had 10 really holy months with my dad before he passed this last July and um, ended up coming back on staff where I was. And, you know, like that's the, that's the 30,000 foot up, like, you know, story, but like underneath all of that has been, um, nights of just weeping in the pillow, um, crying out to God, pain, heaviness, carrying the load of, of my parents care, carrying the load of funeral. I mean, just, and then, you know, on top of that, like this ministry transition has really brought me to this kind of bizarre, holy space of liminality. 
And so uh, in September, this last September, 2021, I was speaking at a conference and um, I walked into the room. It was, it was my first time back at a, um, a larger conference. And so, mm-hmm. well, actually, let me hit the pause button. Let me back up. So just through the 18 months, like one of the lessons that I've learned is, is, is faithfulness in the wilderness. And what I mean by that is sometimes like in these like wilderness, like experiences, like I have found myself having to go through the motions, which I've learned is not necessarily a bad thing. Now, here's what I mean by that. You know, like in my younger years, uh, people would say, don't just go through the motions. Like, but when you're in the wilderness, like sometimes that's the only choice you have. So, so what, for example, like one of my habits is waking up at four 30 in the morning, um, and immersing myself in scripture and prayer and silence and worship. Um, and when you're in the wilderness, like you're doing it and you're kind of going through the motions and man, you're feeling nothing. You're feeling grief, you're feeling pain. Um, you know, showing up on Sunday mornings and worshiping with God's people and submitting myself to other teachers of the word. Um, I, I felt nothing. Um, it was a season of grief and pain. And so this, this faithfulness in the wilderness uh, in a lot of ways v- very much feels like going through the motions, but you do it anyway, yeah. because that's what faithfulness requires. Now, fast forward 18 months later, um, I'm at a conference. It was the first time I'd been in a room with a lot of people because of COVID. And um, I walk in and it was just, you know, incredible. Like just one of those settings where like the spirit was just palpable. And someone, um, as as we were worshiping, like at one point, like I was just so overcome. I fell to my knees and was just weeping. And someone came up to me and he put his hands on my shoulder and he said, he said, you don't know me. I don't know you but I just feel like I need to share something with you that God revealed to me. And, you know, Jen, I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit hesitant um, with yeah. prophecies and just sure. think, I don't know, like, is this real? You know, so I'm trying to be discerning at the same time. I'm like, Lord, if you have something for me, like I'm open, I'm listening. And he said, I just had this vision as I was watching you worship. And he said, you were like a fence post in the wilderness uh, and you, he said, you were slumped over and you were in a dilapidated land. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, just everything was just dilapidated and coming apart. And you were slumped over like you were carrying a lot. I'm thinking, yeah, like that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, and I saw the delight of the Lord come over you and lift you up. And he said, huh. I just have a sense that, that God's going to lift you. And I was weeping because he, he doesn't even know like what right, I've right, been right. through and, you know, hit the fast forward button. Um, that was September. I have found myself over the last eight weeks bounding down to my office at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning to be in the presence of the Lord. And God yeah. has just renewed my delight God has restored the joy of my salvation. And so this partnership with God sometimes is putting one foot in front of the next. I don't feel God. I don't see God. I don't hear God, but I'm going um, because that's that's the wilderness. And then there's other times where just the richness of God in scripture washes over me over and over. And that abiding is so rich and so good. 
And the joy of the Lord and the joy of salvation is an incredible gift to experience coming out of the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you say going through the motions and I appreciate that you explained it, but it is often heard as like a negative thing. A negative thing. Um, yeah. But, but the reality is, you know, without that consistency and repetition, you might miss opportunities. I'm doing um, some structured Ignatian exercises on a small little cohort this year. And so, you know, there's, there's a guide for every morning, not at four thirty for me. <laughs> but there's a, you know, there's a guided reflection and prayer and all that every morning. And there's some mornings where it's just it, it is motions. Like I have motions every morning, and there's some mornings where I, you know, show up and I work through it, but it's just kind of nothing. But then, but if I didn't do those mornings, then I wouldn't have these other experiences where I show up and I just feel like there's something significant that God had for me today, you know, that God had to reveal to me today to, to share with me today. And sometimes that feels directly related to the content of the exercise for the day. And sometimes it's something completely different than that. But, but if I didn't do that work of showing up every day, um, I don't know that I would have had any of those experiences. That's right. That's right. And I think that's so important. Um, we, and I understand the sentiment behind, don't just go through the emotion, the emotions, but at the same time, like, if I didn't go through the emotions and I wouldn't be doing anything. Right. And I sometimes wonder if like we've, we've create like paralyzed people, um, you know, and we have completely ignored those who are going through the wilderness um, who are faithfully going through the motions. And yeah, like they're like that heart connection might really be struggling, but praise God, they're doing it. Uh, instead yeah. of crawling into a cave and doing nothing. Yeah. I, I, I do want to get into your the specifics of your rhythm, but let me ask another question for context. Um, I didn't tell you I would ask you this ahead of time, but I trust that you'll be okay with this. And if not, we'll scrub it. So, yeah. But I, I'm pretty confident you're comfortable talking about this. Uh, when I interviewed you before on my Sermon Smith podcast about, you know, people who preach, how they prepare sermons. Uh, I remember posting it on Facebook and getting a really biting comment back from someone quoting scripture about, you know, women shouldn't preach. I don't remember what it was. It was somebody I knew. Um, and I was really disappointed, you know, that it happened. But, you know, for me, it was okay. Well, but that's something you live with all the time. All and the time. I, I realized for any for any critique I ever got of ministry, you know, of things that I was doing in ministry, some of it very hard. I don't know that any of it would match the experience you would have of someone completely questioning your, even with all your talent and giftedness, someone completely questioning your, um, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word, that you should even be doing that role, yeah. right? Your qualifications and lots of things for women in ministry, lots of things get questioned and attacked. It's our call. It's our person. It's it's our care. Like character is online for people. Um, I mean, there's a lot that is questioned for sure. And so not experiencing or knowing the depth of that critique, but acknowledging that I think it's gotta be unlike any critique I've ever gotten. Um, how, what is some of the work that you've had to do? Cause you, you've had now many years of vibrant 
you know, uh, I don't want to say successful, but vibrant, meaningful ministry, you know, for others in the midst of some of that, what would have been some of the work that you've had to do, some of the rhythms maybe, but even some of the other work that you've had to do to sustain you to keep giving of yourself in ministry through that kind of critique? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, my time in Pasadena, a lot of people would look at that and think, wow, like that must have been really successful. Um, When in reality, like that's when a lot of things kind of went like imploded uh, for me. And I experienced some seasons of disillusionment and pain Um, because, you know, for me, it like, so when I got to Pasadena's, uh, 600 people left almost right away uh, because of my gender and then a very public campaign um, not long after that started called uh, Save Paznaz. There was a social media account, a website, emails went out to church leaders. And the premise of it was uh, Save Paznaz from the uh, female pastor. That is, um, and, and then, you know, it was um, this, this church has lost its favor from God because it's called a pastor. So there were like memes of me and pictures, like sure. a meme of like mocking. And it was, mm. it was unbelievable pain, uh, John. And so yeah. some of the rhythms, uh, that sustained me through that season were absolutely critical, including therapy, um, sure. weekly <laughs> therapy, uh, has been one of the most transformative practices for me as a pastor, as a mom, as a Christian, as a human yeah. uh, therapy. Yeah. Um, on Mondays, I had a gathering where I met with two other pastors and we called it pastor's triage. Um, these were pastors from, they were senior pastors who pastored two other uh, churches in Pasadena. And we would get together and just cry together, pray together, lament together. Um, yeah. And that was that was Monday because one of the things I, I had to learn the hard way is when I first started there, Mondays I was diving into email, I was diving into finances, and Mondays were wrecking me. I mean, I was by the end of every Monday I was so depressed, I was so exhausted because Mondays are when the angry emails come in. Mondays are when yeah. you know you know like you you find out just bad news, um, yeah. and I had to step away and learn like Mondays needed to be quiet and restful days. And even now, like I mean. You can see me, you know, on camera, I'm working from home. I work from home on Mondays now um, and still, you know, just something about not going into the office and having, you know, a quiet space and I have much slower days on Mondays. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and just anything from even as a female, like surrounding myself with other women who can say, yeah, I've been there, experience that, me too. And so, yeah, like there are definitely unique things that as a woman in ministry, we've had to go through. And all the more reason to have sustaining practices. Yeah, and are the are the we can get into some of your practices here, but um, I'd be curious to know maybe even in the context of talking about your practices, if they were the same then, you know, as they are now, or how much they've had to change, and diff- like how, even how much different did your practices have to be when you were transitioning from your first ministry at Christ Church, not your first ministry, but your prior ministry at Christ Church to becoming a senior pastor and taking that much um, heat, I guess, yeah. you know, and, and what, how did your practices have to change and then how are, how do they look now? So why don't you just, yeah, just talk a little bit about what 4.30 looks for you. And I recognize your practices might be more than just 4.30 in the morning, yeah. but yeah. talk about some of your own rhythms daily, yeah. weekly. For yeah. sure. 
For sure. So, so first thing I come down to, I have, you know, I have a space, um, and, uh, scripture reading for me, you know, so I, I read through, uh, scripture. Um, I memorize different Psalms. So right now I'm working through Psalm 121 and memorizing uh, some of the Psalms has been, um, incredibly sustaining through me, especially in times of the wilderness of just, you know, I mean, right now, like I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And that reminder that, you know, there's so many things, yeah, that I could find like sustainment from, but like, ultimately, like when it comes to the Lord, it is the richest and is the holiness, holiest and is the purest. Uh, You know, so right now I'm reading through, I, I, just wrapping up Second Corinthians before that, First Corinthians. So um, I'll read large bulks of scripture, and I happen to be in the New Testament right now. And I'll journal about it as I'm reading, um, make notes. I draw a lot uh, scripture. Yeah. I love to draw scripture. Um, and and actually, I'm sorry. Before like I even open up scripture, I sit in silence and just yeah. um, still my heart, quiet my heart before the Lord. Um, and then I'll read the scripture and then I'll usually turn on some worship music, uh, Maverick City music. As So after reading the scripture, you know, I'll turn on Maverick City music or something that's just kind of like helping just alert myself to the Lord. And uh, that's when I'll start like drawing or kind of writing a prayer out in the margins and filling that out. And um, from there, um, I actually go work out. And um, that is connecting my heart and my mind to my body and getting into my body. And the workout that I go to um, something called Spanga where, you know, it's, it's 20 minutes of cycle on the bike, 20 minutes of of weights and then 20 minutes of yoga. And the last 20 minutes of yoga is they have us get into our, what they call the stillness. They turn off all the lights and you just lay there in silence. And I use that time to, I use that time just to connect to God, you know, just like get in my body and connect with God. Um, and then from there, you know, it's only six fifteen in the morning. I, um, hop in the car and, um, I use the rest of the time until my family wakes up where I listen to a, um, like an edifying book on audible. Um, so right now I'm listening to, I just finished, um, I just, I just finished Eugene Peterson's long obedience in the same direction. And now I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading the God walk, um, or listening to, and there's something about listening because, you know, for me, like, so I'm a mom, like, and so I come home from the gym and I'm listening to these, these edifying books, these nourishing books while I'm unloading the dishwasher, I'm making right, lunches right. for the boys right. and I'm getting the kitchen ready, you know? Um, and so I get about 45 minutes where I get to listen to this book on audible before I wake my boys up I get my boys back up to the bus and then I get myself ready. And while I'm getting myself ready, I return to listening to that book on audible yeah. I really try to devote like the idea for me is just devoting like my morning that those chunks of time towards connecting with God. And so, um, so those are, those are my mornings. You said, you said you have a space, uh-huh. you know, initially. Yep. like, is that a space that you have designated only for that morning time? Or do you just mean you have an office? Like, do you have a specific space? It's just your morning space. Yeah, so it's um, it's actually where I'm sitting now, um, right okay. behind me, that couch. So, um, yeah. yeah, So this is my my home office. It's a really good looking space. I gotta say, it I'd, I'd well, be glad to is, sit on that couch. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's, like it's it, this is a sunroom that I converted into an office. So it's windows everywhere, and we're in the woods. So it's just real beautiful yeah. and peaceful, although it's dark at four thirty. Um, 
but yeah, so I said, it's something about having that same space, you know, and I, I can walk in and it's, it's kind of like nice too. Cause my husband is an engineer. So he's like made our house like a smart house. So I can walk in and tell Google to turn on the lights and tell Google to, right. you know, turn on the music and just, you know, and my Bible's right there. My markers are right there. Uh, my journal's there and um, everything's just there. So really like, I don't, I sit there some other times, but I mean, it's primarily my morning spot. How has been, um, how, how do you find the, how, how difficult do you find it to read scripture devotionally at a heart level as someone who teaches very often? Cause yeah, almost anytime now not being engaged in ministry week to week, I've almost had to relearn how to read scripture devotionally. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder how, what's it look like for you to be able to do that without thinking and not that there's anything wrong with thinking, yeah. Oh, I want to use this in this upcoming, but what's, what's it look like for you to engage devotionally rather than sermon preparation? Right. 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 Well, so the most important thing for me is to never use my morning time to read scripture that I'm going to preach or teach on. Um, and that's always a temptation, believe me, yeah. like, and it is a temptation that I have to actively resist, you know? So like, for example, I'm in the process of writing a Bible study and I had a thought the other morning, I was like, Ooh, like I should, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, 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 no. You know, this is, this is, this is, this is different. It needs to be set apart almost like a, this idea of set apartness and holy time. And so, you know, in that regard, like it is, you know, that, that moment of silence and coming before the Lord and not thinking like kind of that, that moment of silence is, is just pushing out ministry. And by the way, and that, that is exactly why it is so important to do this first thing in the morning, because mm-hmm. our minds are fresh, like yeah. in the morning, like this idea, his mercies are new in the morning. His joy comes in the morning. That's true. Like we are fresh, at least me, I'm fresh when I wake up. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about like, I have, I'm like hardly awake enough to do that. Right, and right. so like, you know, it's like my mind is just at its like most like just fresh like place. And so by doing that in the morning, it is so much easier to do it um, as a devotional time than three o'clock in the afternoon, because by three o'clock in the afternoon, a thousand things, Everything. happen, yeah. everything's happened and it's consuming yeah. my mind. And all of a sudden I'm going to be, like blending the two, but that in that morning, the purest hours, it is blank just, slate. it's a blank slate. And yeah. so I don't find it too difficult, especially like, because I, I have a different Bible than I use for preaching and study. Like it is just my like devotional Bible that I draw in, that I circle, that I, that I write in. Um, and it's, it's, it's for that special time only. Yeah. And then I have to think that going afterwards to work out has to be so helpful because since we've talked about therapy, um, that's one of the things I've talked about, you know, even over the last few months with my own therapist is what does it look like to metabolize? Cause I tend to like take on emotions and I hold them. Yes. Um, and what does it look like, you know, then to work through, to go on a walk, I've got my bike right over here. Um, what does it look like to metabolize, you know, or embody these things? And so not even just necessarily emotions, whether positive yeah. or negative, but to yeah. take these discoveries, yeah. to take this delight, to take these things that you're learning, and then to 
churn them through your mind while you're actively working feels like that would be so helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and, and that has been something that's, I, I didn't mention that, but I'm glad you brought that up. So I often will, while I'm working out, um, will often like reflect on the scripture, like intentionally, like try to pull my mind back. Like, what did I just read? And um, remember it and recall it. And especially at that quiet time at the end, like recalling and thinking about it, because it's really easy to read scripture and then just like, like, you know, not think about it again, but then to be able to recall it while I'm actually like in my body. Um, And I mean, and that's, that's been, by the way, that's been another like important thing for me of learning how to be in my body. Um, And, uh, and to be able to do that while recalling the scripture that I had read is been really transformative for me. I so I, I mean you're an Enneagram six. You're public about that because yep. you wrote a book about it. <laughs> yep. uh, do you do you have a five wing? Do you know? Because I'm a five. So when you talk yep. about being aware and being in your body, that's that's my work all the time. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a seven wing. Though I've heard some yeah. people say that you can have equal wings, seven and five, and I do think that's possible. Um, and I have contemplated that a lot, but. Yes. Like, especially like as a six, so I'm in my head all the time, you know, like sixes really struggle to have gut instincts um, and make decisions. And so part of, you know, and that was a practice I took on when I was in Southern California, like hiking became such an important practice to me almost every morning. Um, You know, just putting like my one foot in front of the other while praying and while thinking things um, helped me connect, you know, just this discernment and like gut instincts, which is, I think the spirit speaks to us through our bodies and gut. It's just knowing what our bodies are saying. And I remember one time my therapist saying, Tara Beth, like your body knows before your mind does, but I'm always so stuck in my head that I don't know what my body's saying. And so that's been a real transformative practice is, you know, just getting into my body, like moving my body, um, to create an awareness and connection with my heart, mind, and soul. Yeah, because they are connected, right? Like in, they are connected. Yep. And it's very easy, like you say. I, I didn't even make that connection until you said it. Of course, you're similar to me as a six is not connecting well with yeah. gut. And yep. just, just even becoming aware, for those of us in the head triad, just becoming aware of what the heck is going on in your body. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> that's affecting what's going on in your head, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And I, it took me years um, as a leader and as a pastor to realize that I had no idea what was happening in my body and that there was just so many like things happening in my head. And I kind of, it's wild, you know, just this cycle that six is going of like thinking and then, you know, uh, feeling and then thinking and, um, and we really struggle to make those connections with our bodies. Yeah. Um, What do you, well, I'll come back to that question. I'll put that little pin there. Well, um, what other, are there other rhythms that you have besides just those daily rhythms? Are there things that you're very particular about returning to weekly or monthly or anything like that that feel important for you? Yeah, you know, so the morning time is, is su- such an important rhythm. And I can also talk to you just about family rhythms that we have. Yeah. Uh, that's been really important. So, you know, sitting next to at, at our dinner table, um, the rhythm of having dinner together as a family and connecting with God together as a family is very important. And so um, at our dinner table, we have a conversation starter book and then we have the family devotional book. And so um, every night at dinner, one of the kids or us, we get to pick a conversation starter 
and then we read through the devotional, which is, um, you know, it's a block of scripture passage with some reflection questions. And so we have that time at night as a family. And that is, I, you know, it's a, it's a children's family devotional, but I find it to be nourishing to again. Yeah. And as a How family, old are your kids? A nine and 11. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like a, like a basic, I mean, it's, we're, we're giving them substance. Um, yeah. Enough that like I'm, it's been a joy to recall the narrative of God in scripture. And so, um, so that's been another one. Another one that's really important to me is, um, this sounds silly, but you know, when I'm driving to and from work, like it's really important to me to, to listen to worship music. Um, and just again, to like recentering myself, like as I drive into the office and to work, that like it is like it, everything I do is an outflow and an overflow of the abundance of God, of what God is doing within me. That And it's a reminder that I'm not uh, leaning into my own gifts or talent, but instead I'm leaning into the power of the spirit. And so it's very important for me to um, driving to and from work to worship. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably more helpful than listening to sports talk, figure yeah. out if Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future for yeah. the Bears or not. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking on behalf of my Chicago friends, of which I think I have many because I've heard that yeah. conversation a number of times. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I'm so not a sports person. We had a at our church, like, so Andy Dalton showed up at Christ Church not that long ago, who is yeah. a Bears quarterback, I think. He is. Um, yes. The but, Red Rifle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he showed up, he sat in the front row, and everybody was like, Andy Dalton's here. I'm like, who? Like, I had no idea. But, um, yeah, yeah. That's okay. You don't have to have an idea. Yep. <laughs> it's probably good to not have sports illustrations all the time. In That's true. So, That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the question I was going to ask you is uh, – and this is a new question, but it's one I might have to return to for anyone who's – Enneagram aware. What do you think is unique about doing ministry or doing any kind of leadership as an Enneagram six that you think would be important for someone who's an Enneagram six to know? Yeah. So we're learning, like we're learning, there's just not a lot of Enneagram sixes that are. um, Well, that's right. It surprises me that you're an Enneagram six. Yeah. That are lead pastors or pastors. Yeah. Um, I, it seems I meet a lot of twos, threes, fives, eights, lots of eights. And so, um, you know, and it's interesting too, like, so I'm often, people often assume that I'm an eight. Um, but you know, there's, there's, we all have subtypes, right. And so my six is a one-to-one, which means I tend to be kind of more of the aggressive type of six, more assertive six, and definitely one that like, um, you know, when it comes to fear, um, I go towards my fears. And so I think, you know, like the fact that that subtitle is that I'm not like phobic of things, but counterphobic. Um, but you know, so the learning for me as a six, um, especially leading has, it's been like the most important practice for me is getting into my body. Like the single most important practice as a six, um, because like anything from decision-making to because like, so, you know, Suzanne Stabile calls it the inner committee in our minds that we often have. Like we, we often see ourselves through how we, how others are seeing us. Um, and we often like, we'll seek to make decisions through like how we think others perceive we should make the decision. 
And so we, we, we really struggle with seeing ourselves, you know, as we are and, and knowing where those guts are. And so moving my body, getting into my body, um, praying while I'm moving. Um, I, I take a lot of walks in the woods uh, when we live in Southern California, a lot of hiking, um, especially when something really big is happening. I've got to move. Um, and so, and, you know, as a six, like learning, like I can do hard things. I can make, I can make, you know, hard, like hard decisions, um, even if it's not popular um, and learning, oh, like I do, there's a gut somewhere in there. Like I have a gut instinct, like never knew. Um, yeah. Those, those have been really important things for me as a pastor. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll start wrapping up because I want to respect your time. And I know we spent some time catching up beforehand, but um, I, I was going to ask you one more question, but I think you might've just even answered it. Cause I was going to ask, one of my wrap up questions is typically, what do you understand now that you wish you understood when you were starting out? And it yeah. feels like you've communicated so much growing self-awareness um, throughout, but I, I mean, is there anything else you would add to that question? Yeah. I th- I wish I would have learned um, earlier on that I don't have to do it all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some of my hardest moments as a pastor, as a Christian, as a mom, as a wife is learning that I have limitations when I'm hitting the wall yeah. and not seeing the wall coming. Um, and so I often don't understand that, like, I have limitations until I'm like, I've hit the wall and I'm on the ground and I'm exhausted. Yeah. And so the, the self-awareness journey for me is being very aware of when I'm inching towards my limitations um, and learning that it's okay and that limitations are not a bad thing. Do you find that you don't get close to the wall as much with the rhythms or does the, do the rhythms just help you become aware of the proximity the of become aware. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I, it's still a big struggle of mine. Yeah. 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 Cause may, maybe the, the fruit of the rhythms, maybe this is true for all of us. The fruit of the rhythms is not always just sustenance. It's awareness, right? It's, aware. it's the awareness. Oh, it's totally awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that practice of reflection, you know, during that, that quiet time in the morning is important. Yeah. Well, I um, try not to do interviews where I just talk about people's books because I find that often authors, even though they like to talk about their books, are also tired of talking about their books. But do you want to? This was so refreshing. Like, <laughs> I can't tell you, John, like you just named it. Anytime I get on to do another podcast about a book, I'm like, oh, like if I could just muster up the strength to do this. And this was fun. Like I, you, oh, good. Yeah, this was fun. <laughs> Yeah, we alluded. We alluded to the Enneagram Six. Yeah, book. I know. It, yeah, that's your newest know, one, IVP, right? IVP would want me to tell you about the books, but hey, just like <laughs> Google my name or go on Amazon, and there they are. You'll find them. <laughs> they'll be linked in the bio, and they're all worth there reading. Although I haven't read your Enneagram Six book because I'm an Enneagram Five, but yeah. I could probably get something out of that too. So yeah, yeah. Well, Beth, thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate you making the space to talk today, and. um yeah, your availability, not just of your time, but your availability of your vulnerability, you know, to share a little bit about what your journey has been and how um, how God has sustained you through that. I hope many others can benefit from it. Thank you. This was this was a joy. And I really love this conversation. It felt like catching up with an old friend. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>